0: These kids are having a fabulous time with Mr. Microphone, the cordless microphone that actually puts your voice on the radio. Hey, good looking. We'll be back to pick you up later. The perfect Christmas gift at Walgreens, Woolworth, Woolco, Osco, Venture, Weebolts, Montgomery Ward. So we have this mic. Yeah, we have the same mic now. We have, we have matching microphones. I can tell the difference in my cans. It's, it's small, but I can definitely tell there's a better resonance. And I don't know if this is an ideal... Um, what do they call them? Mike condoms? What do you call these? <laughs> yeah. Mike rubbers. <laughs> Mike rubbers. Nice my, to meet
1: you ladies. Mike crubbers.
0: Musical guest Mike and the crubbers. <laughs> Andrew Dice Clay tribute outfit. Mike crubbers. <laughs> and he's just dressed like dice. That's his tribute yeah. outfit.
1: Yeah. Uh, he has no microphone. <laughs>
0: right?
1: He's a meme. It's <laughs> meaning a-, a mime, I should say.
0: <laughs> Dude, we, we saw Silent Dice come through <laughs> our. <laughs> Look <love> at <the, Silent laughs> into, the, into the North Shore Center for Performing Arts. Right in Skokie. <laughs> Lovely theater. Right by Old Orchard. <laughs> silent Dice. Hey! Hey!
1: Let me pantomime this dirty nursery ride. Hey! <laughs> Oh, Mother hubba. Oh, I, I gotta shut up, let me show you
0: <laughs> If you could see Tony miming right now Oh! <laughs> well Okay
1: Untitled Beatles Podcast Well, welcome to the Untitled Beatles Podcast
0: I'm Tony And I'm TJ And it's winter in Chicago Even though global warming It's like 40 degrees It's making me a little scared
1: you know, yeah, we should be scared about the future, but hey, you know what? Let's deal with that after the pot. Right now, let's be scared of rapper future. Take it, Tony. We're out of here. Take it, Tony. Well, TJ, man, I thought the winter would be a good time for you and I to just turn up the heat, get a nice hot toddy going, and just luxuriate in the White Album.
0: Uh, yes, and, uh... <coughs> I'm
1: joking on myself Oh, be careful, the hot toddy, it's really hot I was
0: just gonna say I make them extra hot (laughs) That was my college nickname, (laughs) hot toddy Because my name is Todd I love your your idea, by the way, Tony And in fact, I'd love to wear a hotel fancy robe with you Oh
1: You know what, are you a skier? No, no, I went cross-country skiing for junior
0: high gym 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 class class, And that is it How about you? I didn't, I didn't like skiing, but I've been to a couple ski resorts, and I, and I like ski, ski resorts, so, so what if, if you and I, I just go to a ski resort, it's probably cheaper, and, and just, just talk Beatles in the lobby wearing luxury, luxury ski resort, resort robes by a raging resort. fire.
1: <laughs> I'm in, man.
0: There's a town, I
1: think it's called Frisco, in Colorado. Let's go there. I know a, I know a great German sausage place. <laughs>
0: You know what, Tony, mm. I love the White Album, and I'm excited <laughs> you proposed this because I have said on this show before that, you know, when you rank Beatles albums, invariably certain quote unquote classics, and I say that because they're all classics, are going to be ranked lower on some lists. You're going to go, how is this incredible album eight or nine on your list of Beatles list? It's universally regarded as the number one or two album. Yeah, The White Album has rarely, if ever, been in my top three favorite Beatles albums. Oh, Judas! Get a rope. Get a rope. <laughs> Careful! I don't want Paul to write Judas on the uh, on oh. the Apple Boutique window. And right. Make make the Rabbi mad! <laughs> don't, don't do it.
1: Meanwhile, back in London, when the Beatles open a shop in Baker Street, everything slows down. Oy vey.
0: So, yeah, while not ever being a top three Beatles album for me, like most Beatles albums, it's had an important place in my life at many times in my life. And living it in a week. Oh, my God. Sure. It's a top three album. Maybe it's their best fucking album. That's the thing about the Beatles. Every time you immerse yourself (laughs) in an album. I mean, I'll save my criticism for as we go. But, yeah, from the second you put this album on. It's unlike any Beatles album you've ever heard, and then it never lets up from there.
1: I agree, man. Yeah. As you may know, it is my favorite Beatles album. I think it's been my favorite Beatles album for many years, if not over a decade or two at this point. And uh, yeah, man, we're finally going to do a deep dish on this. I think we've always been a little... Not afraid, but it's like, well, if we're going to get into what we do with these records, it's sound, it's going to be like six hours long or whatever. But that's why I figured, yeah, it's winter in Chicago. It's kind of a slow period. You know, it's indoors. We're not missing out on any kind of. You're indoors. huh? Fuck you,
0: Fauci. <laughs> People still talking like that? <laughs> I, uh, I don't know. You know, I loved all the toe tappers that you did. I love the can't buy me nothing. You know, all your songs are like real snappy.
1: <laughs> we will, but we are going to deep dish it. We're going to deep dish it today and probably yeah. next week too. This is probably at least going to be a two parter because we. I don't want to rush this. I want to. I want to, like I said earlier, luxuriate.
0: Well, it's it's get that robe on. Get that monogrammed <laughs> Laverne yeah. and Shirley robe. Were they wearing robes, or did I just fantasize Laverne and Shirley in robes? <laughs> Did you ever have a Penny Marshall robe thing?
1: (laughs) No, but I once had a Kim Fields uh, sandals thing. (laughs) At at the Bahamian Resort? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, one of those water parks. (laughs) (laughs) It's like Paul
0: said, don't go chasing water parks. (laughs) This is the time of your life.
1: This is Sandals. Sandals. Well, before we deep dish this white album, uh, we have some brief housekeeping to do. Of course, thank you for listening. You know, if you haven't already, please like and subscribe. Uh, It would be kind of you if you could write a review, hopefully a five star review. Um, Feel free to call us idiots. That's fine. Just give us some nice stars about it. You know, I mean, you're listening. So
0: stars are free. (laughs) And free our stars. (laughs) Free Britney. (laughs) Lori Laughlin. Free her.
1: Um, Big shout out to all our Patreon, Matreon, and Theytreon subscribers. We've got our Casba Club, we've got our Cavern Club, and we've got our. Star Club members. Long live George Harrison, Glenn Kay, Matt Kuharski, Beetle Dave, Susan from Baltimore, Burt Chide, Joanne S., David S., No Relation, Max Como, Matt Meyer, Mick B., Nowhere Doug Tabor, Stephen A., And Mary-Kate, thank you for being in our Star Club. Of course, thank you to all our fab subscribers. If you want to help support the show, you can find our Patreon at UntitledBeatlesPodcast.com.
0: Is that Stephen A., uh, longtime ESPN journalist, Stephen A. Smith? Good question. Is he a fan of the show?
1: Stay off the damn weed. And they don't listen. Stupid. Well, if you if you become a, a Patreon subscriber, you get access to our Discord, and maybe we can go over on that Discord and uh, have a chat with Stephen A. A private chat to see to un- unveil his identity. For extra
0: cash, we we private chat all our discordants. <laughs> no,
1: we don't. No, we don't. <laughs> We're not creeps. <laughs>
0: Oops, hold on, my lawyers are ringing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We are not creeps, but we do invest in crypto. So feel free to invest in Untitled <laughs> Beatles crypto. <laughs> what right. could go
0: wrong? And I'm not just in favor of it; I'm a dick about it. All the crypto yeah. people. No, it's cool, man. We have all
1: these. Um, there's uh, there's like one million computers just in this parking lot, all revving and heating up and making a ton of noise, twenty four hours a day.
0: <laughs> You're gonna love it. It's great for the environment, and it's worthless. <laughs> Untitled Beatles Podcast Crypto Order yours today Uh, One
1: thing I wanted to say uh, Thank you to Chris on Facebook Who uh, loved our uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame show In which we made a reference to Cry for a Shadow Loved your latest episode, Cry for a Shadow was a tribute title to British instrumentalists The Shadows, who backed Cliff Richard and had several UK number one and top ten hits such as Apache, Foot Tapper, Wonderful Land, and Contiki. And here in my hand, I'm holding a uh, a, a 45. This is a Shadows 7-inch 45 called the Shadows to the Fore. I bought this on my first trip to London, England uh, in Notting Hill. I went to a record shop in Notting Hill, and I got this Shadows 45.
0: What labels it on? Is it on
1: EMI? It's on Columbia. Oh, okay. It's on Columbia, but the mono is the same font used in with the Beatles. That's right. It's the Parlophone. The, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the font that we actually use for our "Entitled Beatles" podcast uh,
0: because it's free in the in the public domain, <laughs>
1: right? Yeah. I definitely did not create the C
0: from the E. I bought the font, <laughs> and I bought the fonts. Hit a jukebox, <laughs> hey. <laughs>
1: All right, that tackles all that. Well, shall we do it, TJ? Shall we? Shall we delve into the White Album?
0: Yeah, I'm, and it's your favorite. You guide, I'll follow. Let's do it, man. Let's do it. Well,
1: you know, we call it the White Album, but it is a self-titled album. Uh, it's their ninth album. It's the only double LP they put out while they were a working, living group. Have you known anyone to ever call it the Beatles or self-titled?
0: No, I think only to be obnoxious because yeah. it's been colloquially accepted as the White Album, I think, largely since its release. Yeah. And what, certainly when the Beatles refer to it uh, in anthology and in other interviews, they don't call it the Beatles. They call it the White Album. It's true.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think sometimes Lennon referred to it as like the double album or something like
0: that. Well, he's just talking about Beatles story when Lennon referred to the double album. <laughs> And in Liverpool, Ringo came from the Dingle.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's just him.
0: He's called Ringo because of his passion for wearing lots of rings.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah I've always called it the White Album. Uh, but I do, TJ, I do think you and I can agree that former Fox News personality, Megyn Kelly said it best when she said, for all you kids watching at home, the Beatles just is white.
0: And by the way, for all you kids watching at home, Santa just is white. Jesus no. it was a white man too.
1: Working title, TJ A Doll's House. But then there was a band called Family that released music in A Doll's House in summer of '68. Let's hear some of that. Oh.
0: Well, that was something. Look out, Sister Sledge. (laughs) (laughs) November 22nd,
1: 1968 and November 25th, 1968 were the two dates it was released in the UK and US respectively. UK, you, you could get it in mono and stereo, US stereo only.
0: And you know, Tony, in my research, this album was still in print in mono in the UK Through the early 80s, the last mono pressing of this in the UK is 1981. Wow, man.
1: I didn't know that. I just assumed that they did those first like 300,000 or however many it was. And then that was it for mono.
0: Me too. I wonder if this pressing was a, was a mispress, but yeah, according to the good folks at Discogs, which Discogs, because I've tried to limit social media, Discogs is the new, okay, I'm on the toilet. Let's look up some Beatles stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Way better than Facebook, way better than Insta. Can't take those anymore. Now it's like, what can I afford? In
1: 2013, a copy of Sgt. Pepper's, signed by the whole band, sold for $290,500 at auction, besting both the estimate of $30,000 and the original retail price of about $4. Well, anyway, TJ, it was 30 songs, and that's we're going to focus on the 30 songs today with the White Album. Uh, I feel like we have covered mono-stereo things on our mono-stereo episode, and then... A lot of the outtakes that came from the 2018 reissue, I think we've covered in our like favorite uh, outtakes episode from way back when. So
0: We've talked a lot of Esher on the show. We brought up the Esher yes. demos a lot.
1: Yes. So I figure for this program, let's just focus on the 30 songs on the record. Some other episode, we'll talk about Esher demos in, you know,
0: detail. Egg on my face. All I prepared was two virgins. (laughs) Oh, no. The Tetragrammaton label was established as an...
1: (laughs) So, yeah, 13 songs... Excuse me. So, 30 songs.
0: George Martin's ideal white album has 13 songs. (laughs) Yes,
1: right. George Martin famously said it should be one LP. Ringo said it should be two separate LPs, the White and the Whiter album. Kind of a joke he said there. And of course, Paul said, shut up. It was great. It's sold. It's the bloody Beatles' White album. Shut up. It was a popular record, TJ, 24 times platinum, RIAA certified. I love this record. It's, it's all over the place. You got rock and roll. You've got metal, ska, music hawk, country. Blues, avant-garde. There would have been Latin on there if Los Paranoias had made it.
0: Yeah. Uh, It's got a lullaby, like a Disney lullaby to end the thing. Yeah. It's got folk. I don't remember the first time I heard this album. I do know the way I heard it was actually on the 8-track tape in our car. That's oh, so that's how you got to know it was the eight track. That's the first way we heard this album, but I was not at six years old sitting in, like it was playing in the car. Like I knew the songs, but I wasn't paying attention to like some of the miscues in the running, the, the track listing, because the eight track and the cassette both have a different track listing on both parts. Those are totally crazy. The eight track and cassette we'll get into it later, but I, Yeah, there's no other Beatles album that sounded anything like this. And especially coming off, you know, in the States, coming off Magical Mystery Tour as the last full album that was out. And then you get the very different single, Hey Jude, back with Revolution, which isn't psychedelic. It's more of a traditional rock single. Yeah. And then a few months later, you've got this. I wish I was alive then in real time to feel that progression because... This album is stunning in 2023. This album was stunning when I got the CDs in 87. This album was stunning when I first heard it on an A-track. And this album has always blown minds because there's never been an album in rock before or since that sounds like the fucking White Album. And the fact that the songs are written and performed by the goddamn Beatles, they make it work. Oh, they yeah, make, man. They make three sides of it work.
1: <laughs> I love it. Good, good, good.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. And I, I want to say that I think uh, for both of us, the uh, the Bruce Spicer White Album book, yes, the Beatles White Album and the Launch of Apple is what it's called, was uh, a great tool in uh, researching this episode.
0: Yeah, it's a great book. All the Bruce Beiser album books, as we've said, are great. We're not asking for a discount, Bruce. Although, you know, in this book, Bruce says "daienu." Uh, in the book. He actually mentions a very cool Jewish word, which basically means that, that it would have been enough. "Daienu," he says on page uh, IV of the book. <laughs> IV. <laughs>
1: And it's cool, because he signs he signs each one, and he dates it. Yeah. Like, mine was uh, signed December 14th of last
0: year. Oh, my goodness. Mine says, to TJ, my favorite of the Untitled Beatles <laughs> duo, <laughs> Tony is the scholar. You keep things afloat?
1: A root beer float.
0: Love you, babe. Brucie. <laughs> Cousin <laughs> Brucie, sign my book. <laughs>
1: So thank awesome. you. Yeah, shout out to Bruce Spizer, Yeah, because he hipped me to the, the Peter Sellers tape, which I had never heard the Peter Sellers tape until doing research for this thing.
0: <laughs> I said if you want to hear some more, you've got to turn the tape over.
1: Yeah, this, yeah, it's this tape that Ringo gave Peter Sellers. So it's early mono mixes of the White Album. So you get to, you get to hear a few cool things on there. Um, like an extended bridge uh, at the end of sexy Sadie and things like that. Things like that, that aren't, aren't on the 2018 thing.
0: Has that been released? Is any of the seller stuff? No, I'm sure it's floating around. I'd heard of it. I've never heard any of it or th- any of the variations. I haven't.
1: I don't think it's no. I don't think anything's beneficially released. And it, it's interesting. Cause Ringo puts a few weird little things in there for Peter, like in the, and it's, I guess it was a real to real tape or, or something and uh, at the end at the end of side one or something he says like blah 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 flip the tape over you know for whatever he does he does a bit
0: like do you remember those old kids tapes and kids records that would have like a magic chime yeah yeah ring. you will know it is time to turn the page when you hear the chimes ring like this or if you're stupid get a parent <laughs>
1: Yeah, remember that when the record would berate you?
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, I had that for like, I had Star Wars and then Raiders. I think I had Raiders in the Lost Ark and then The Black Hole, which was like a Star Wars ripoff.
0: Oh no! The airlock opened,
1: and the captain cautiously led his crew aboard the mysterious ship.
0: Don't take any chances. We don't know who or what to expect. I quite agree, Captain. Added Vincent. Better safe than sorry.
1: It had like two droids in it, and one of the droids, it had like a cannonball for a leg, and it was like, they kind of freaked me out a little bit. <laughs> what? It they, they looked like P3Z nuts. <laughs> oh, that's the impetus for P3Z nuts. It looked like P3Z nuts without the mop top wig.
0: <laughs>
1: Laugh all you want, chuckleheads.
0: One day I shall destroy this podcast. Ha 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 ha.
1: Yes. Well, stylistically, it was all over the place. They were moving away from painting and sound techniques of 1967 more to an organic sound. I think this is one of Ringo's favorite records because they got back to playing a band again instead of playing chess. I love the White Album. John said it was a complete reversal from Sgt. Pepper. A lot of this is in response to Sgt. Pepper. What I was going for was to forget about Sgt. Pepper and just get back to basic music. It's like a rock and roll band that got new
0: gear, and it sounds... Fucking great. <laughs> well, and that's just it, Tony, because it's not just Sgt. Pepper. It's Sergeant Pepper and Magical Mystery Tour. So they were drenched in psychedelia. Did I make up a word? Psychedelia?
1: Psychedelia. Psychedelicatessent. Well, sh- let's talk about the studio turmoil. That seems to be the story on this record, that... Uh, A lot of people say this is like the first Beatles solo album where like they would all go off and make their own solo records.
0: Yeah. And it sounds like it. And thinking ahead a little bit, Tony, what I kept thinking when I was listening to this record is it makes what they did with Abbey Road that much more impressive to basically have this kind of carry on into the Get Back sessions, which we all saw. Right. To have Abbey Road be what it is after all the fragmentation, I kept thinking it makes a, it, it, this album's existence and knowing the story jumps Abbey Road up a notch in my mind to me in terms of <laughs> song craft and production. But yeah, there's, yeah, there's no other Beatles album that's a solo album more than this. And yes, I know there's a lot of tracks they do play together and there's overdubs, but yeah, this is the first Beatles solo album. In its way, Yeah. Paul said there was a lot
1: of friction on that album. John said the breakup of the Beatles can be heard on that album. John called Paul's songs cloyingly sweet and bland. Paul said John's songs were harsh, unmelodious, and deliberately provocative. Jeff Emmert quit in the middle of a, a session. I think it was Cry Baby Cry. He quit during Cry Baby Cry, citing a toxic atmosphere. And then George Martin took an unannounced holiday for like three weeks in which Chris Thomas... Who was like 21 The engineer, this kid (laughs) stepped in And now he's producing the Beatles In fact, one song still remains technically unproduced Where it was just kind of like The tape was running and there was no producer It was kind of self-produced Yeah The white producer
0: (laughs) I love that TV show with Ken Howard As a basketball (laughs) coach (laughs) 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 Remember that? Yeah Great show
1: And of course, Ringo quit the group as well during the recording of this.
0: Which the craziest thing about that to me has always been, it's Paul on drums to open the first two songs of the record. First two songs.
1: (laughs) It's so wild.
0: And his drumming on both of those is fantastic. I didn't know. I did not know that.
1: You know, when you're listening to the Beatles, you just assume that's Ringo when you're first hearing this before you had all the books and all the info. When you're just listening to this as a record, you don't realize like that's Paul playing drums on those first two songs. That's John playing bass on Helter Skelter, which isn't, we'll get to that obviously, but you know, (laughs) like, yeah. Yeah, Ringo quit. There's also the presence of Yoko, which was new, and also just kind of like, that was John's decision. He didn't really clear that with anyone. So this is where the first time, like that structure of the boys or whatever, you know, is broken, you know, by John. Everybody seemed to be paranoid except for us two who were in the glow of love. You know everything's clear and open when you're in love, and everybody sort of was tense around us. And you know, what what is she doing here at the session, or why is she with him? And all this sort of madness is going on around us because we just happen to be want to be together all the time. You know? It should be said, though, that Paul also started bringing in his girlfriend, Francie Schwartz, to some of the sessions as well. Yeah. The, the
0: Paul estate doesn't love to talk about that part of the story.
1: They don't, but I mean, it happens. So, yeah. you know, life is life. <laughs> you know? Life. Life is life. Can you imagine like going into, you know, your job where you work and just like, oh, yeah, my uh my new hot and heavy girlfriend is going to be... With me at all times now. Do
0: you mind? We brought a bed. She's not feeling great. (laughs) Mind if she just kind of... No, it's not an inflatable mattress. We're not camping. She's (laughs) ill. It's a mattress mattress. Life is life. So weird. I give them... You know, I felt this way after seeing Get Back, too. I give them a ton of credit for being as patient as they were. And not everyone... You know, a lot of people in Paul's uh, spot would have gotten the fuck out of there. Yeah, but I, yeah, I wonder though,
1: you know, I feel like Paul was the one that was keeping the group together for the longest time. He's the one that wanted to tour for the longest time. You know, he went through that huge depression when he recorded McCartney because he was so lost. He was drinking and la la la.
0: imprisoned.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh. Oh, I was thinking McCartney too.
1: (laughs) Wrong McCartney record. And then he was imprisoned with COVID by Dr. Fauci for number three.
0: About she lied, <laughs> McCartney died. I hate the Disney Channel. What's, what's wrong again? with you? <laughs> he died twice. That's why Paul is dead. No Obamacare. I never. I, I was a Rolling Stone. I'll be honest. You weren't my favorites. Led Zeppelin. Let's be honest. But whatever. Go <laughs> yourself.
1: What do you mean? Why are you being so mean to me? You know, I thought you were very cool. Yeah. My favorite album is the White Album. <laughs> <laughs> that guy's scary. Let's get him out of here. Sir? <laughs> Don't open his trunk. <laughs> so, yeah. So there's all this, you know, there there is a fracturing going on with the Beatles. Only 16 of the tracks, of the 30 tracks, feature all four band members. That said... The the recording process was more group-minded with the band playing live and a guide vocal for a lot of the takes, which is not what they really did on Sgt. Pepper all that much. Ringo says, on the White Album, we ended up being a band again, and that's what I always love. I love being in a band. And Chris Thomas says, the engineer who took over for George, he says, it was nowhere near as bad as it's been reported over and over. Please let people know we had such a lot of fun.
0: Peter Jackson presents Chris Thomas in the retelling of The Beatles, the Happy White Album. <laughs> I mean, uh, and of course, and you can even hear as sound like your blues, where Ringo said they're in a small room and they're you know eyeball yeah. to eyeball
1: storage closet or whatever they the yeah. utility room that they recorded that in.
0: Yeah. Man. Uh, and and you can tell, I mean just because things were fractious doesn't mean they were hating each other at this point. And the moments where they were You know, all of a sudden, uh, George, no one's taking While My Guitar Gently Weeps seriously, Clapton Mm -hmm. comes in and it becomes that seminal recording, uh, which would kind of foreshadow what they did with Billy Preston coming in. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, even when the Beatles were fractious, they created some of the greatest music to ever appear on record. Yeah, man. And in fact, the bad times, they, they, they took sad songs and made them better all the time. Let's talk about the packaging, shall we? Oh, I've only downloaded this one. What's it look like? <laughs> it's okay, t- we shouldn't <laughs> mock people who only da- I, I don't mean to mock. A lot of people, a lot of people can only afford a MacBook. <laughs> <and not> a- <laughs> good
1: point, TJ. Good point. <laughs> well, before all that, uh, yeah, back in '68, it was designed by Richard Hamilton. Uh, who also came up with the album title, you know, after uh, Doll's House got uh, ruined by that terrible psychedelic band, The Family. So Richard Hamilton, he's this artist, he's a pioneer of pop art. Admired by peers such as Andy Warhol, his 1956 collage, just what is it that makes today's homes so different, so appealing, stunned the art world with its playful irreverence and ushered in a whole new era in modern art. The phrase pop art itself was coined by Hamilton a year later. I dug his work. It, it looks nothing like the White Album. It's very collage, and it looks like Guided by Voices album covers, if that's a reference for you.
0: Well, no, speaking of Guided by Voices, right around that same era, Richard Hamilton uh, then won a championship as a starting uh, guard on the 2005 Pistons. <laughs> I think 2004 Sp- business, maybe. Speaking of gu- yeah,
1: speaking of guided by voices.
0: <laughs> Everything in my improv class, anything is linkable.
1: I'm thinking of linking. Thinking of linking. <laughs> Hamilton, three, red hot. Hamilton now with 15
0: first quarter points.
1: So, yeah, it was his idea in response to the Sgt. Pepper, you know, that crazy psychedelic thing. It was his uh, idea to make it just in a plain white sleeve, unadorned. Paul had reservations about it until Hamilton suggested he put the, the Beatles embossed into the jacket.
0: Which makes it beautiful, the raised embossed Beatles title on the first first couple of pressings. I think probably, probably till the Orange Capitol, I think it was still embossed. Yeah, man.
1: Now, the first time I ever bought it on vinyl, it must have been that the 88, the, the capital, the purple ones. Um, so it was just gray. Yeah. I never got an embossed one until I purchased the 2009
0: reissues. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. My first copy ever is an old beat up Apple copy that didn't have any of the inserts. Oh, wow. Got it at a, a thrift shop. Uh, my mother ran my, uh, school's thrift store, like a fundraising thrift store and was friends with a guy who got all the receivables. And when people would donate records in the late seventies, early eighties, he knew I was a Beatles fan. I forgot his name. He was this wonderful man whose job was to take all the donations in. And he would say to my mom, Hey, we have Beatles stuff. So my mom brought home for me this Apple halfway decent pressing now, uh, copy of the white album. I replaced it with a poster I found in a different copy, but it was gone when I got it. And it's That's numbered. Awesome. It's numbered uh, 1,370,931. Wow. There you but go. It's, it's fallen apart. But yeah, it's,
1: it's, it's beautiful. So it might be... Yeah, that one might come from
0: Jacksonville, Illinois. That plant. Jacksonville had a factory for capital. There was a new factory in Jacksonville, Illinois that went from the late sixties through like the nineties. And when capital picked up and left there, I guess it caused great economic depression in that town in Jacksonville, Illinois, Uh, but capital, the factory there for a long time. And yeah, that's uh, made there. That's wild, man. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Actually that Spicer book also had a great chapter on all about the numbering, the serial numbering. Uh, This is another idea that Richard Hamilton came up with. It was an ironic joke to uh to create a limited edition of something that was like printed in the millions.
0: Right. It's funny.
1: Yeah. It's good. It's good. It's poking it's kind of poking fun at the the collector scum thing, TJ.
0: Well it's and this is an <laughs> album with glass onion on it. So it all kind of fits in that here's something for the fan that's both a tip of the head and a fuck you. <laughs>
1: So uh, I learned in the book, thank you, Bruce Spicer and Professor Frank Daniels from Goldmine Magazine. Uh, in the UK, the first 300,000 were in mono and then the next 300,000 were in stereo and British copies have a, a prefix, usually uh, capital N, small O with a dot underneath the O. And then in the US, all the, the numbering was split between three pressing plants. One through 580,000 was in Los Angeles. 580,000 through 1,380,000. That's the Jacksonville plant where most likely your original uh, first copy came from. And we should say Googler Litho in Milwaukee did the the jackets. Right. And then 1,380,000 through 2 million. That was the Scranton plant. And they used Queens Litho in Queens.
0: May I tell you my favorite pressing of this that I have? Let's hear it. I'm not gonna get into all the pressings because you know I must yeah. collect all the records, I'm not gonna leave, but I have a lot of white <laughs> albums. I really Are include, you serious? I've got a ton of them, including two different eight track pressings. But here's a different here's a different thing. Oh, well, you I'm have a sixteen track, in other words. Right. So basically I've got it on sixteen track collectors. Who's the scum now? Oh what? Me? Cool, let me keep going. <laughs> uh, a pressing I've been looking for forever Because I have a bunch of these The 1983 Capital Vinyl Issues Went back to the Rainbow Capital logo After doing the, the dark purple Yeah, right And I found it reckless in 2015 I've wanted one of these forever Because i got a bunch I've got Abbey Road I've got Plastic Ono Band on the, on the Rainbow Capital I've got some that's fun wild. stuff
1: Yeah, that's wild
0: It's just fun and Reckless, in March of 2015, for $29.99, with all the inserts, has a 1983 Rainbow Capital. <laughs> DJ
1: must collect all the
0: records. And here's what's cool. This record, this is actually the 1986 iteration of the 83 reissue. It's the last analog white album vinyl that's ever been released. Everything else, the C1, Purple Capital. Okay. Uh, everything else has been mastered from digital sources or sources with some kind of digital yeah. remastering or, or changing of whatever. And this pressing sounds great because, again, Wally Traugat, I think or some engineer kind of cleaned it up a little and it sounds lovely. We got to have a Rainbow Capital white album listening party one of these days, Tony. <laughs> cuz it's so fun. All right, man, that sounds awesome. Oh, yeah. and last other thing for you here, trivia cuz I have this one too. The final American vinyl of this, the that came out in I think 88, the pictures are perforated and on one It's one piece. The the, the four photos are perforated on cheap paper, which is weird. Yeah, that's odd, man. That's odd. That was weird, wild stuff. Well, now let's take
1: a little jog over to Font Lover's Corner, because what is that font on the cover of the White Album? Welcome to Font Lover's Corner. Today's font in question Helvetica, developed by Max Meidinger and Edward Hoffman in 1957. It is a popular neo-grotesque design used by 3M, NASA, and J.C. Penney. They even made a film about it, commonly referred to as the movie about the font. Thank you for visiting Font Lover's Corner. Fonts, fonts, love those fonts. (laughs) Thank you. I don't know who does that voiceover, but thank you. Uh,
0: Max, Max dinger inspired a great Chuck Berry song. My <laughs> I mean, great is relative.
1: Great is relative. Might be my least favorite Chuck Berry song, yeah, but it's yes. A bad, it's a
0: bad one. And the live version's the worst. My is that <laughs> The is British crowd? Same era? When he had to deal with Yoko screaming. Is that that same? Yeah, that's the same it's that area. 70s
1: era. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's talk briefly. Oh, yes. Yes. About the inserts and all that. Yeah, it's, yeah it was, it's cool. Sergeant Pepper came with a bunch of inserts. And I. yeah, I think, I don't know if it was Paul's idea but I think they felt compelled to give the fans something a little more than just a white a white record cover with some numbers on it. So, yeah, it came with this huge poster. It's a photo montage created by Paul and Richard Hamilton.
0: The poster's amazing. I had one of these hung up on my uh, back door in high school, and it's so fun to see it again. It's been 30 years. but I think I hung it up on the back of my
1: door, too. Really? Yeah. I had the, I had the four portraits above my closet, um, probably arranged John Paul George Ringo. Probably pretty sure that was the arrangement I had them in. Gotta but be. yeah, that poster hung on hung on the back of my door. So anytime I closed the door, which I started doing when I became a teenager, uh huh. You know I saw that.
0: Yeah, this I, same same same. And on the front of my door, by the way, I had a poster that's it. It had the butcher cover. And it said incredible in red letters. Oh yeah. I had that, that on the front you of yeah, my that,
1: idea. Yeah. That's cool. Did That's you fun. get that at Wax Tracks by chance? Because they used to have posters there.
0: Yeah, I think I got that at Beetlefest.
1: Oh, that makes that yeah. makes sense too. Nice, nice.
0: One thing I will give Capital credit for is up through the eighties, the very last pressing of this record, they still included, even though the inserts were a little cheaper. Like Magical Mystery Tour, they cut that booklet. Sergeant Pepper, they cut the cutouts many yeah. years before and the and the the inner sleeve. But the White Album they kept on pressing all the cool shit, even through the final days of vinyl. And that stands in stark contrast to we can talk about the running orders later, but the cassette and eight track of this are just the black and white photos Yes, <laughs> and it just says the Beatles. There's no inserts. There's no lyrics. There's no notes. It's the worst.
1: Yeah. That was my, that was my first experience with this record. Cause I bought it on cassette first. Okay. And, and I, I, I know I, we talked about this on a different program, but I didn't know I was buying the white album when I bought it. Cause it said, you know, in blue on this, on the spine of the thing, it said the Beatles part one and the Beatles part two. Yeah. And I thought it was some weird greatest hits thing. And you know, and I was like, Oh, I've never heard of any of these songs, you know. <laughs> and I still think that cassette order is the best order of the record. That's what I think.
0: Yeah, you mentioned that. The 8 track has a totally different order.
1: <laughs> I don't think that of the 8 track. Yeah, the is A track is little bonkers for <laughs>
0: the me. Are tiny. I want to hear it because I Yeah, you
1: should program. We should do a playlist that's programmed like the 8 track sequence.
0: Dude, but it's not just the sequence. How long, like... The strings fading out from glass onion into happiness is a warm gun. It's not just putting those together. It's knowing how long they chose to do it. I want to hear. I for everybody. I've been on reverb and I've been on eBay looking for eight track players. If anybody like, oh yeah, I don't want to buy one because I've I have a ton of Beatles and solo Beatles eight tracks. That's how yeah. my collection's fucking started. But I haven't had eight track players since high school. When I went to college, I ditched. I had like a Pioneer wood grain. broken down thing we got at that same thrift store and i ditched it well i got a 79 cutlass supreme with an
1: eight track (laughs) if you want to buy that fine
0: but how many miles don't care
1: so after i bought it on cassette then i got it on vinyl um and then that's when i got the inserts finally and i remember staring at that poster paul washing his hair in the tub ringo dancing with elizabeth taylor Remember seeing John like naked on the telephone?
0: Yeah, seated with with Ringo like kind of weirdly behind him. Looking almost It's a weird shot of Ringo behind uh, uh. Ringo Yoko. Oh, that's I was, like, what? Ringo. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what's I It's like, wait, what? Dude, (laughs) weird beetle admission. I don't know the difference between Ringo and Yoko. So the picture of John on the phone with Yoko looking very weird. Yoko looks either ill, like, are they in the studio? Is John naked while they're recording (laughs) Happiness is a warm gun? (laughs) Yoko looks ill or dark or something.
1: Now, rumor is, man, that Yoko's image was darkened, actually, to take away from her, her proximity to John's junk or whatever.
0: Well, I mean, in fairness, who doesn't want to be near John's motor cars, handlebars and bicycles for two? <laughs> Speaking of Paul's junk, he, he's
1: also naked in this, too. And uh, yeah, I guess his junk is blocked by a pole. It was not airbrushed in the UK, but in the in the US, it's airbrushed. They put they almost like put scribbled little pubic hairs on <laughs>
0: And one other thing, Tony. And I've accumulated a bunch of these. Like, I'm not going to waste your time and show you the orange capital version. Ooh, <laughs> uh, which I only have the second uh, album. I don't know how I accumulated that. People always <laughs> give me hey, like. My my grandfather died. Do you want this box of Beatles things? Yes, yes, I do. But I have, uh, in addition to a red red album and a blue blue album, I have a white white album. Hey,
1: oh, you've got one of those. Yeah, a white vinyl white <laughs> album. Fun. That is something I would go for. It's fun. Yeah, that's kick-ass.
0: I'm neurotic enough about so much stuff, but like, I wish I knew when I got this.
1: Yeah, we had a great listener suggestion recently about um, acquiring the Beatles catalog
0: in the order that we acquired it, you know? It it can be a fantasy episode. (laughs) Whilst receiving a back rub from Tony Sheridan, I was gifted the American Revolver. I didn't know it was Latin John. I was too stimulated by... The sounds, sounds of a sweet, sweet Georgia, Georgia Brown.
1: Brown. <laughs> Fantasy. All right. Well, let me just say this, why this record appeals to me, and then we let's do a deep dish, all right? Yeah. It contains some of my favorite Beatles songs, and it also contains three of my least favorite Beatles songs. Ooh. Albeit still favorites. To me, it's their, it's their scariest record. It's their most dangerous record. There's almost like trust... Issues happening, <laughs> you know, during this record, like, oh, you know, and to think it was just like five years, wasn't it like five years to the day of With the With Beatles? With the Beatles, yeah. Isn't that wild? November of that year. To me, this is like if Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory was a Beatles album, you know? You're going to love this. Just love it. John is Willy Wonka. Paul is Charlie. Charlie. George is an Oompa Loompa, <laughs> and Ringo is a Augustus Gloob.
0: <laughs> you watch your mouth. <laughs> George is an Oompa Loompa. That's why he loves gnomes so much.
1: There's no earthly way of knowing <laughs> which direction we are going. No, I, you know, I don't actually mean that, but like, it's it's like, oh, why are the Beatles being scary? You know?
0: Yeah. You're totally right. It's the first. It's the first Beatles album to have moments that really sound like nightmares. I mean, yeah, the, the, certainly on the Magical Mystery Tour album, Blue Jay Way is a little bit weird mm-hmm, and ethereal, mm-hmm. and they were certainly hinting at some things. the The crescendo in Day in the Life was unlike anything else, and even going back to Revolver, Tomorrow Never Knows. But this is the first where there's multiple tracks that are just weird and scary enough to give you pause. And there's no other Beatles album that you can say that about, none. I know we're going to get to a deep dish in a second but uh, a few other release things they have a 30th anniversary CD that came out in 1998 that I bought at the Merritt Island Mall not Suncoast whatever the like Musicland I guess it would be ah, and yes, it's Land. a re- it's the first time they did it as a replica That's because the old, the CD box. So this has everything in it, uh, not remastered numbered, but not remastered. And also the cassettes and eight tracks as boring as they both were came in slip covers. And here's the eight track slip cover. They came and the cassette looked just like this.
1: They (laughs) came in these slip covers initially. That's awesome. So it's a black box. It says the Beatles, uh, it looks like very bold Helvetica on that. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, and then a little, uh, drawing of an apple. Yeah. That's cool.
0: And originally, and then on the when the cassette came out, when Apple huh. was done, they did it without the Apple.
1: Yeah, I didn't get that with my double cassette.
0: It's had so many different iterations, and yet listening to this again on vinyl, I know you've gotten it on vinyl when the when the reissue came out. It's a different experience having those four sides. Uh, I feel like at least in the CD era sides one and two were very different and a whole different disc from sides three and four and now with streaming as everything just runs into each other it does feel different to hear the final kick of the drums and happiness is a warm gun and then turn the record over and hear martha my dear does feel like a different experience to me than letting this all stream through digitally. I really feel like part of the tactile benefit of listening to this album on vinyl is the albums and the CDs were distinct, but the records sides one and two are different from each other. And nothing's like sides three and especially side four. So that's why this on vinyl is just a really neat. It's more than about it being tactile. It's about it being programmed and banded in a way that's meant to hear like this. Yeah. And for me, this this
1: was the first Beatles album that was mine and not my parents. Like my parents didn't buy the White Album. So that was my discovery. And... Yeah, I don't think my mom ever heard the White Album till like a few years ago, you know, because she heard Rocky Raccoon when I played her Rocky Raccoon, you know, uh, when the reissue came out in 2018, and she's like, "This is a funny song. What is this?" You know, like, "Mom, you're a Beatles fan," but yeah, she she was she she hates Magical Mystery Tour and the White Album.
0: <laughs> it's okay,
1: even though she's never heard it. But whatever, we'll,
0: we'll convert her. <laughs> I listened to this the way I heard this CD for most of my life. I re-uploaded after deleting it on 9909. I re-uploaded my original 1987 CD pressing of this that I got in 1987. This is how I listened to this the most um, and really got into it. So I listened to the original 87 pressing. I listened to my Apple vinyl. I listened to um, that Rainbow Capital vinyl. And I listen to the mono. I just because I've just been immersed in this. I listen to this in many different ways. And there's something about the vinyl experience that I feel like really reminded me what an incredible experience this must have been back in 68. Yeah, man.
1: And what an incredible experience this episode has been. The opening chapter of our long awaited deep dish into the White Album. Casey here. As I've mentioned before, I'm not just the producer of the show, but I'm a big fan of it. And remember, I'm not only the Heckler president, but I'm also a client. And I've really been looking forward to this one. We're back next week with part two, in which the guys begin a track-by-track breakdown. Or, if you're listening to the U.S. 8-track version of this episode, program two begins with a breakdown of the 1984 Great White Album opening track, Out of the Night. Untitled Beatles Podcast. Like and subscribe.